0: Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. We're bringing you episode 32. Second week in a row, we've actually got some cricket to talk about, which is pretty exciting. Before we get to the England series against the West Indies and a preview of their upcoming test series against Pakistan, we talk this week in cricket. We've got some schedule clashes. We talk Alyssa Healy's spat on Crick Info and a whole host of other things, all coming up on episode 32. So, Lippy, going to come to you first. We've got some clashes already with the scheduling. Yeah,
1: well, last week we talked about how potentially it's better for the game to have all of these T20 tournaments because you know a couple of people pull out, it's not such a big deal as uh, as an international tournament might be. But now we're starting to see that come to reality, particularly with South Africa. So uh, currently South Africa's lockdown rules, they're not allowed to leave the country. I don't even think they're allowed to leave their province. But that's meant that uh, I think about five of their players can't go to the CPL. It's looking very likely that perhaps 10 of their players can't be traveling to the IPL, which means people like Faf, AB de Villiers, those, that kind of level, Kagiso, Robata, they won't be able to be at the tournament. It's, it's all starting to come together there's the Sri Lankan Premier League have now is now going to be clashing you're going to have uh, potentially the uh England Australia ODIs even they're going to be right at the end I think of the English summer the English summer and then they will just miss out potentially on the maybe the first week of the IPL so there's there's going to be a lot of decisions I think as as you touched on last week Binksy that players are going to have to make for their own careers and what they want to do and what they want to
0: prioritize. Well, there's only one obvious place to start. Mark Nicholas is sitting going off oh, this uh, three, three <laughs> party game in South Africa is going to be huge. All the stars are there to go and fetch the ball from around the stadiums.
1: Well, exactly. And I mean, you've, you've got uh, it's even happening in the women's game. Uh, we touched on the women's BBL last week. Now you've mentioned uh, Alyssa Healy has come out today because the women's IPL is going to happen, but it's happening at the same time as the BBL is going on. So you're going to have players from India that were scheduled to play in the BBL. What are they going to do? You're going to have players that perhaps would have been in the, the World 2020 Challenge or, or whatever it's called, are now going to be unable to play in that tournament if they want to play in the BBL. And
0: yeah, it's, it's going to be a really tricky balancing act for players and for those competitions. It's not taken long to go almost negative, has it? You think of the i suppose that reciprocal arrangement between england and the west indies to get this series on there's a lot of goodwill there there seems to be a lot of goodwill with the england pakistan series but already we're seeing that you know other two constituents of the big three india and australia potentially having had some pretty tough boardroom conversations i don't know what your take on it is baldy
2: yeah it's interesting that the The clash is not with the men's game. The clash is with the women's game. So they've been very careful in making sure that the schedule for the IPL and the men's big bash lines up quite nicely with a little bit of, you know, quarantine crossover in between. But they haven't quite got the scheduling right for the women's tournament. I don't know if they see that as less important, less financially, you know, incentivizing to have them run back to back. But it has created a real problem because those two are the marquee tournaments for women to make money out of playing cricket. Mm. And if they have to choose between one or the other, it's going to be really interesting to see what all of those players do. I think both Indian and Australian women's cricketers would like to play both tournaments. You know, Hammond Preet Kerr and, and all the Indian players would love to be down in Australia playing WBBL. And I'm sure Alyssa Healy and Elise Perry would love to be playing, you know, women's um IPL well, what's the name of the tournament uh, I think it's 2020 challenge. challenge yeah
3: so can I can I ask questions so is there also a problem then with multiple contracts at the same time or yep. have they not been
1: I don't know I mean that's going to come out isn't it because certainly in the IPL that's going to happen I mean so this new Sri Lankan Premier League that's looks to be starting up I think they're hoping that Malinga will play for one of the pro uh, the franchises and that Jay Wardner will be one of the coaches but they if they play in that, I think they do miss with the quarantine period. Potentially they miss the first week of the IPL. You can't have Jay Wardener not there, you would have thought, for, for his coaching gig in the IPL. So he's already contracted to that. How are they going to balance that? It's going to be really tough. Well, there's
0: mm. been a real rise in remote working, so maybe. I don't yeah, know. Maybe it'll
1: just be Zoom, <laughs> Zoom trainings.
3: Yeah, that was a good one then.
0: Yeah, I don't know where we go from there, to be honest. (laughs) Well,
1: (laughs) Probably a positive of of this uh, looks like, so for the CPL, uh, it looks like more New Zealand players have now actually been picked up. So I think we had five or six players originally in that. Now it looks like uh, players like Corey Anderson, Nick Kelly, uh, who had a really great domestic summer, has been picked up. So that's sort of some exciting stuff. It does mean that for, uh, I think, three New Zealanders, Ish Sodi, Mitchell Santner and Brendan McCullum, are all going to be away from New Zealand now. They left yesterday, I think, and now they're away until the end of the IPL. Ish Sodi not actually playing, but a spin consultant for the Rajasthan Royals, which would be really cool to see. But yeah, they're going to be
0: away for four months. It's a massive commitment for those guys. You wonder whether he's there potentially if someone else doesn't come in on the overseas roster, he's kind of in the doesn't have to sort of go in as a contract later and play potentially.
3: Another point, I guess, uh, just to come out from another angle, is that that Sri lankan premier league they've tried to get going five or six times and it hasn't actually eventuated so Mm. that might be the case that there's all this over scheduling but does it actually mean it gets off the ground i don't know
1: well and i wonder if it's a a case of this world t20 being cancelled you know a a lot of those nations they all were reliant on the money that they were going to get for that and now they're going okay that's not happening we need to find money from somewhere else Mm. t20 is the way to go yeah I, i don't know it's 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 going to be really interesting to see how
0: it all shapes out and, and decisions that those players are going to have to make. So forgetting COVID for a sec here, this is shaping to be a, a problem that's going to happen every year in terms of the scheduling. Is this going to need to be almost like the four tennis majors or golf majors in terms of going, right, the second week of whatever is the start of the IPL. You know, the third week of whatever is the start of the CPL. You're going to have the 100 coming into effects next year in the UK. So Mm -hmm. are we going to have to have these windows? And then what's the effect on the international game then?
2: Well, you can see it going the way of international football, right? So a lot of the international football is predicated on there being a friendly window or a window for international football to be played in amongst all of the myriad tournaments that they have in Europe and South America and, and North America and even in Asia. So it's, it's possible, although probably unlikely at this stage, that domestic cricket or franchise cricket takes a real forefront in terms of the scheduling and then international cricket gets a little window here and there so you can go and play your bilateral series against you know, India or Australia or whoever. The challenge with that is, of course, is that the International Cricket Council are still pushing for bilateral ODI series. They've just introduced the ODI League which has got a league table now for international one day cricket to go with the world test championship. So they're pushing, they're kind of pushing both barrows and it'll be interesting to see which one kind of gets the.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. I think that the difference obviously is with cricket is the prestige of playing test cricket Mm -hmm. with all these tournaments. I think the way they're being funded, playing one of the major ones a year, there's probably enough of a Mm -hmm. kick that you need as a player to then go back and play for your country and play test cricket, which you don't get. Anywhere
0: else? Yeah, that one day league table, that's about as needed as an ashtray on a motorbike, isn't it? To be perfectly honest.
3: Well,
1: what that is, is for qualification for the next, for the T20, the 2023. Geez, we all had trouble with this last week trying to say these numbers. We're going to, we've got a whole decade of these dreadful numbers to say. But the 2023 World Cup. Yeah, they're going to try and uh, I sent Baldy a, a picture of it before. It's this lines all over the paper, the qualification pathway for the, the T20 or the 2023 Cricket World Cup.
2: Yeah, you need a secret Dakota ring to unlock it all. <laughs> so there's the Super League, League 2, the Challenge Playoff World Cup qualifiers and then finally the World Cup in 2023. I won't go through it all. but Sounds there, like
0: a Domino's menu.
2: There are, <laughs> there are a lot of arrows and a lot of boxes on this diagram. Um, domino's, in- lovely
1: pizzas if you'd like to sponsor us. Dom- domino's, yep. <laughs> i'm calling
2: uh so yeah i mean there's going to be it's a 10-team tournament in the world cup the top seven of that super league that we talked about go through automatically and then 800 other nations all go through <laughs> to some kind of repechage format to play off the bottom of world t2 plays anyway there's two more teams that qualify after all of that
1: and what i was thinking before when you were saying that kind of stuff around the franchises is and and we're seeing it a little now in this england ireland series but uh, you know we might be Going to a, a system where actually it gets even more segmented in test players and limited overs players. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it feels a little bit weird, uh, perhaps now for England, just that there is no crossover in this series. But then on the flip side, I feel like it's great for them because they're getting so many different cricketers in their associate, you know, in their in their nation, really, really uh, good opportunity to play international cricket and get some good cricket
3: it's good for countries like england and australia exactly and, and india but even new zealand will struggle yep. playing three separate international teams oh, right. or and even two we won't be able to compete at that highest level i don't know yeah don't think so Baldy, I've got to
0: give a shout out, I've just noticed your t-shirt, so uh, yeah, bit pixelated, but yeah, very uh, very dashing.
2: Yeah, your eyes don't deceive you, it's uh, it's a new company, Pixel Tees, they're a local New Zealand company, and they've, uh, my wife actually bought me this one, uh, but they've launched their website uh, today, I believe, 4th of August, so pixeltees.co.nz, you can go and get one, they do t-shirts from great iconic moments in New Zealand cricket history, so this one is Chris Pringle bowling his maiden over.
0: Turn and look at the the camera. There There we we go. go.
2: G'day, everyone. (laughs) Um, So they've got, um, so it's kind of a gaming theme as well. They've got 100 Not Out, which was uh, Martin Crowe's World Cup 92 innings. Uh, There's a new one coming out today, I think, with Grant Elliott, uh, which is final unlocked. So him whacking, uh, was it Dale Steyn, into the stands uh, in 2015. So, yeah, get on board and have a look. PixelTs.co.nz. It's uh, quite comfortable, actually. It's very good quality, despite the fact that the image is a bit pixelated but that's by design very, ha- very happy
1: to see Chris Bringle there on on your on your chest there he was uh I was a proud member of the zinc club when I was a, a youngster so yeah very pleased with that
0: well, well I'm glad you explained it I d- didn't know what, what that, was, that, that was and it's clearly the zinc rather than three white eyes across the middle <laughs> but then, yeah <laughs> you
2: no know, I think that one of those is zinc but uh, you can only do so much with uh, 16 by 16 pixels but it looks really good what have we made of the the
1: england ireland series so far and and i guess the limited overs stuff we talked about last week how the tests it wasn't so jarring to see the game without fans but odis what have we thought of those
0: yeah i've got to admit it didn't ignite my passion as much as watching the test cricket but having watched a little bit of it on spark sports it is odd Mm. the tests weren't that odd with that piped in lord's hum the one day internationals when you're seeing a massive six and commentators, bless them, trying to inject that same level of energy into the ODI game. Um, yeah, just weird. Really, really weird.
1: The, um, the way that England's gone about their batting, I thought it's been really interesting. They've obviously been chasing low totals in both games, but still just trying to go for it really and, and kind of aiming to, you know, maybe just bat as they're going for 350 or whatever it is. Because, I mean, Bairstow obviously, we're recording this on the eve of the third ODI. Besto went nuts and in the second ODI scored 80 off about 40 balls. But they got into a bit of trouble there. And then uh, they just kept batting positively and got the score with, with plenty of overs to spare. And I, I mean, even thinking about New Zealand and the way they go about their one day cricket, they sort of play their game based on the target, and they set their innings up based on that in many ways. And we, I don't think we would have gone out and attacked
0: in that way if we were only chasing that low total. Yeah. I mean, listening to the coaching staff after the game talk about it. So listening to interview with Paul Collingwood and he just said the mentality is very much for them to take aggressive, smart options and put the other team under pressure. That's the, That's the game plan. It's mm. a relatively simplistic one. I guess when you look at it, they could have chased those runs down in 40 overs or 45 overs. Would that have then given the likes of a Tom Banton or one of these guys, the shop window to then force their way into the England side? Because the the argument leveled at them then could be, well, it was against Ireland, all due respect to, you know, to to Ireland. They're not in the top three or four ranked one day sides. And, are they then playing the game plan that they're going to play when they do potentially graduate into that yeah. England side and, and put themselves in for the next squad as it happens really only Bearstow stockers kind of stayed where it is Jason Roy hasn't really got going uh, Sam Billings has come in and had one good knock but the likes of Banton and James Vince haven't taken their two chances yet so you'd suggest that tonight they've got that third opportunity but that that'd be the way that I'd call it
3: yeah I actually like the fact that they've gone after the bowling like they have. Mm-hmm. With all due respect to Ireland, and we should respect them, cricket's one of those games where no matter what the opposition scores, if they score 215 or whatever they got, you can pretend that you're going after 300. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that they had to do that. I think the execution was really poor from a lot of the batsmen. Uh, they weren't getting out. They, so they were getting themselves out. The bowlers weren't getting them out. Um, I think the
2: Irish
1: Irish batsmen have been guilty of that as well.
3: 100%. Mm -hmm. But I think that, uh, what's his name, Johnny Bairstow batted really well. I don't know if you guys saw that. Mm but It was a really good mixture of agricultural shots and just some incredible straight driving as he's well. He's an incredible white ball cricketer, best though. He, he does mean.
0: look like a Hawke's Bay farmer, doesn't he? He's like, <laughs> he, I'll tell he, you big what, big unit, isn't he? He would fill that medium pixel <laughs> T, yeah. wouldn't he'd he? Need an that, XL. Their guns would be popping yeah, out of that bad boy. He's going to need a different size. No, he he wouldn't go I'm XL, wearing. he'd go small to get the full effect. That's oh, what the youngsters do, apparently.
2: I need to go the other way, perhaps.
3: The other thing that I was thinking, just going back to your, you know, there's yeah, the certain. Certain, play- if you're splitting it up into three teams of, you know, your test team, your one day. What if Australia played all their best players in the one day game, and mm-hmm. England played all their best players in the test game? What does that make a one day series or a test series? And how does that all work? You know what I mean? If, for example, England for for the two thousand and nineteen World Cup, their main focus was to win that two thousand nineteen World Cup. After the two thousand and fifteen campaign, they put a lot of money in it and a lot of effort into it. So they would play all their best players in the one-day format. Mm. It opens up some really in interesting... And Australia
1: potentially prioritise the Ashes. Yeah, it's, it, uh, it's it's a real can of worms, that whole, that whole situation.
0: Mm. Well, it's going to keep us in podcasts, hopefully, for the next year or so, at least. Look, I think that's a good place to leave this week in cricket. We will be back after the break. We'll talk a little bit more about England West Indies and preview the series coming up. But we'll be back after the swish. Welcome back to the pod. First section we talked this week in cricket. We're going to have a little bit of a wrap up of the England West Indies series that's just concluded. understand the West Indies team actually had to spend some extra time in the bubble due to weather in Antigua, which meant their flight was delayed. How gutting would that be being stuck in bloody Manchester of all places for an extra couple of days when you're, you know, due to fly back to Antigua?
2: Well, at least the fast bowlers get to put their feet up for a change. They'd be si- they'd be sick of bowling. They spent what ninety eight percent of that Test series bowling their guts out, only for their batsmen to underperform. If I was a West Indies fast bowler, I'd be demanding that every beer be brought to me on a platter by one of the top order. If I was uh, if I was in that bubble waiting for waiting for the flight, hunt.
3: You mean one of us? What the top order?
2: No, one of their, their <laughs> top-order batsmen. But yes, I now understand what you've said. Well done.
1: <laughs> the, um, those bowlers though, yeah, like you say, I think they come out of this with a huge amount of credit, those West Indies bowlers. They've, yeah, absolute top quality. I mean, we'll get to the England bowlers, I'm sure, who also come out of this with, with a huge amount of credit. But yeah, boy, the West Indies put in a shift.
0: Yeah, I mean, we all wanted to see Rakeem Cornwall play that third Test match. In hindsight, was that an error? Should they have thrown Joseph back in there again? Oh,
1: you're not going to get the answer you want from me, but probably, probably, yeah. I mean, but it's easy to say that now, isn't it? Mm. You get a few more runs, and Cornwall's contribution is, is a lot different there.
2: It's also a lot different bowling in the fourth innings. Yeah. The the unbelievable thing that the West Indies did in that series in that Test match was pick two spinners, win the toss, and bowl first. Mm. It was bizarre. Un- bizarre, unbelievable decision. I don't know. I don't know what the breakdown there was, but surely, if you're going to if you're going to pick two spinners. You go, you're thinking about batting first and then trying to bowl them out on the fourth or fifth day in Manchester. As it was, the weather kind of helped the wicket hold together a little bit and we didn't really see Cornwall was ineffective, really. No wickets, uh, wasn't really economical, didn't really make a difference in the game other than his than his really good catch. But, I mean, if you have a look at the statistics for those West Indian bowlers, none of them averaged under 30 in the series. Jason Holder was the best average at 30.1 but still a strike rate well over 60 so Mm. we we give the bowlers credit and they did an excellent job they toiled very hard but they weren't able to run through that england batting lineup like we saw in the first test they were ultimately not as effective in old trafford as they were at the Aegeus bowl england the reverse england's bowlers Three of them averaged under thirty. I think Broad averaged about ten for the series, mm. um, so 10.93, 16 wickets in two tests at ten point nine three, at a strike rate of twenty two and a half. You know, if ever there was any doubt as to whether Stuart Broad is in the top echelon of England bowlers right now for that side, that's been put to rest. Mm. Uh, we can we can just we can have have that conversation another time. But Stokes and Wokes both averaged under seventeen and struck it under thirty six with the ball, and that's. That's the difference in quality between a good bowling attack and a bowling attack that's really successful in their home conditions.
3: Yeah, just to follow on that point there, Baldy, I 100% agree with you about the West Indian bowlers and, and the English bowlers, which we'll get to. Before this series, I said the thing I was looking forward to was the West Indian bowlers in England against the English batsmen. I think that they were in the hole, really ineffective. Uh, that first test match, the first innings, first I was this ended up being the second day. was was good. They bowled really well and they got those wickets. But even in that first test in the second innings that they bowled, England got to two hundred and something for five and then had a had a collapse. And I mm. think that's that's more on the English batting than I think the West Indian bowling. I mean, they if, didn't
2: they didn't get a lot of sport in the field though, did they?
3: No, they did not. But I think that if you look at if you go to the second test on day five when Wokes and Broad were bowling on day five. In that first morning session there was not a wasted ball every ball was full and it was dangerous to the batsmen and then they got the rewards mm-hmm. and they won that test and i think that's the complete difference West Indies bowled a touch too short and weren't weren't as consistent as the english bowlers
0: yeah i think we'll come on to it when we talk about england pakistan which starts tomorrow so wednesday uk time we're recording this tuesday here in new zealand and i think the test going to be different for england against pakistan Notwithstanding West Indies coming over and giving us some cricket. And I think it was a cracking series to watch. And I think we'll look back maybe in a few months and we'll know whether it was really a great series to watch or whether it was the fact we'd been deprived of live sport for a period of time. And we felt that kind of euphoria. Mm. But when you actually unpick the series, England won the two test matches that they won well inside four days. No West Indian scored a hundred in the series. It was a dominant performance in terms of the ball. Um, the test for England now, I think, is not. We weren't really put under pressure as a bowling unit, I don't think, by that West Indies batting side. And we'll certainly talk about some of the quality that Pakistan are bringing. In. And they've had that preparation as well with some really competitive intra squad games, I think, in Worcester and Derby but look I, I think there's some guys that come out of it with real credit in that west indian side t- to be honest holder as captain for me the way he speaks is sensational the way he wanted the ball was sensational i think we saw a little bit of promise with the bat from brooks was you know had a you know a decent a decent showing without really going on mm-hmm. blackwood if he can kind of get that right level between aggression and, and and watchfulness you know could be a cracking test cricketer a few questions there. Dairich came in probably as their form player with a bat over the last two years. And,
2: <laughs> averaging uh, 38. He's no, their best 38. He's their
0: best bat, batting at seven or eight and averaging 38. And, you know, really all he's got to go home with is a, Pretty gnarly dentist bill, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, that was that was a really unfortunate incident. But what it did do is it did give Josh De Silva a chance to come on and actually look really comfortable at Test Cricket. He Mate, looked he looked Josh, reasonable Joshua k- De Silva. Joshua De Silva. It, it, De Silva so he looked uh, a
0: reasonable keeper, actually. He, yeah,
2: He gloved the ball well, but he looked comfortable. He came on, he was relaxed. Well, he apart from a the jo- floppy hat. Like, I don't mind the floppy. <laughs> floppy uh, hat
0: and round cuffs. He should have been wearing two
1: hats. That was the yeah, stuff. Oh, oh, no, <laughs> if yeah. he wears
2: two floppies, that's okay. Yeah,
3: I was really disappointed we didn't get to see him bat. He was really good uh, in the the warm-up games. Uh, But no, he he looked, as Binky said, he looked good with the gloves when he came on, which is something that I've been really critical of um, Dowrich for. He was there for two and a half, three months. Surely you can catch the ball even if you haven't. Brought, oh, i think mean, i
2: think he almost had the yips by the end of it he was really struggling Dowrich.
3: yeah
0: look i, I think I'll, I'll give him a little bit of a pass in uh, to an extent we talked to Tendai tend to on the pod who talked about how difficult it was to keep in england particularly when the ball does wobble a little bit after it's pitched um he was doing the right thing in terms of um you know turning the hands and trying to bend the knees and take the ball reverse cup to the seamers probably just lost uh, a little bit of concentration and got you know schnozzed yeah
3: well, you know, it's, it's not just hitting. that one though there was no, no, every he, couple of overs he was oh, dropping mate, something or missing something
0: it, it looked like his gloves had teflon on at the end <laughs> they, and look that's harsh but you, when you get onto that role you know we, we all know as cricketers if you're in the you know in the it's slips cool. and you drop one you, uh, it's you know a you, place. You, it's a you know a confidence thing and there's no place to hide as a keeper you know you, you're going to keep having to catch the ball and yeah, he made it look difficult at times, I thought.
2: Yeah, I've got I've got big questions over that West Indies top order moving forward. I mean, Brathwaite's probably the only one that you would keep in his spot. John Campbell crucially dropped Ben Stokes on 30, went on to make 80 and set up that test win in the second test. He looks somewhere between a, an international cricketer and a first-class cricketer, John Campbell, I think. And that's probably being harsh. He didn't have a great series, but his first-class record is the same as his test record currently, and he averages under 30 as an opening bat. I think there's a lot... A lot to like about Roston Chase as an all-rounder and Brath and, and Brathwaite and um, Blackwood as an all-rounder. You put Bravo and Hetmeyer around mm. those guys and that batting lineup looks a lot more solid. I think they need to find another opener and I think they need to figure out what they're going to do with Shea Hope. If he bats down at seven and comes in for Dowrich and you've got Bravo there and Hetmeyer, maybe Nicholas Puran and Josh De Silva that's starting to look like a test side that, that could possibly you know be a lot more competitive in the batting.
0: Hope's not really fired though, since 2017, when he got those back to back hundreds against England, I, yep. I just wonder whether it's time for him to have a little bit of time at the side, De Silva to come in and you mentioned Hetma, you mentioned Poran, there's some, you know, there's some talent mm. there. Interested to get your guys thoughts on the England side as well as, you know, border, you're not quite neutral because you're Australian, <laughs> but um, you guys slightly m- more neutral. What, what changes do you think you would think of making? They're not going to make any changes for this Pakistan series, I don't think, in terms of the top seven. So I think Butler's earned himself um, a, a reprieve, potentially, for the Pakistan series. Bowlers, I'd imagine they'll rotate. be really interesting to see what they do in terms of who mm. are the first cabs off the rank for this first game at Emirates Old Trafford. But any changes you'd make? Any observations on that England side? Who's not good enough? Who's, you know, who impressed you?
3: So for me, I, I really felt for Crawley, uh, missing out on the the third test. Uh, that was because, as we know, Ben Stokes couldn't couldn't bowl, and he played as a specialist batsman, and they had the extra one in there. Um, I was really impressed with all of the bowlers, so I, I think it's harsh to drop drop any of them. And my favourite batsman, apart from Stokes, I th- I really what I enjoyed watching uh, Rory Burns. I think he batted really well against the new ball, mm. which is where where it was dangerous. You saw that's where. The wickets came and um, when the new ball came out and he did a really good job against those west indian quicks
1: yeah i mean i I think you mentioned it before the way that england won their tests they did it really dominantly and and i think that realistically that they made they made this series their own and they they came away from it you went okay they're, they're definitely the better side here and if what they need to do i think now is and we've seen that that record in first tests is just dreadful but that they need to get that variability out of their game. I mean, I know, we're we're coming. At, that's probably not a fair assessment in the sense that it was nobody had played cricket. It had, you mm. know that first test is not really the the reflection of that. But they're going to have to do that now in this Pakistan series coming up and go, okay, well, we just can't afford to play like that every now and again and test cricket if we want to be a top nation because mm. I mean, as Raj said, that that bowling attack now, it's going to be really difficult for the for them to make up their mind. They've got a number of a really five or six players that are really going for about three spots, and then out, even outside of that squad, you've got guys like Ollie Stone and and you know plenty of other people in and around the squad that look like they have talent. So yeah, it's it's going to be some difficult times for them selecting.
0: What about from a spinning perspective? To you know eminent spinners in the room um, and Baldy and, and Lippy, obviously.
2: <laughs> Fair. I mean, you, you, you go, Lippy. you're the expert. I really liked Don Best, though. I liked what he did with the ball.
1: Yeah, look, we touched on it last time. You know, anyone can go through the gate. I'm pretty happy with. So look that. Yeah, I, I think Bess has done a good job um, every time he's been asked to to bowl for England. So uh,
0: yeah, I think it's going to be hard for, for someone like Leach to get back in. I mean, you think you know, he's leapfrogged both Leach and Ali in terms of genuine quality as a spin bowler? Well, I, I think how can you how can you get how can you drop him after what he's done you know
1: he's done exactly what's been asked of him i even was considering in that final test you know should they really should they just play four seamers i mean if you actually looked at the squad and, and sometimes i used to think that in new zealand every now and again probably before probably before, before Vittori came along you know sometimes uh, particularly in new zealand and even now you know you think if if spinners aren't going to be effective in your conditions and your four best bowlers are, are seamers why don't you just pick four fast bowlers? And it seems to be that, you know, you, you want to have a spinner in the side and that's mm. why kind of someone who can bowl that part-time spin like a root or someone else is really effective. But, you know, I I'm always want to see a spinner bowl, but I think he's done a great job.
3: The reason I think Bess is head of leech, as you said, and, and Ali, if if Ali is going to play white ball cricket and yep. we've decided that, you know, they're going to be segmented like that, that takes him out of the race. Don Bess has age on his side compared to compared to Leach, uh if you're gonna have a strong bowling attack now that can you know this is a bit harsh but say carry a spinner to some extent Mm. and give him that chance to settle in in the in the test game and and learn his trade then why not yeah i mean his
2: statistics don't like scream that he had a massive series 40 uh five wickets an average of 41 but he actually bowled really well he, he turned the ball he, he you know he tried to bowl through the gate he was an aggressive bowler I like that about Don Bess I actually think he's a better bowler than Jack leach man for man and I think he's I think he's got that spot in the England side and it's his to do with it what he wants if he can make that his own in the next three tests against Pakistan a team that plays spin bowling as well as anybody you would think um, he's going to have a real challenge there and it'll be really interesting to see what impact he can have on that series particularly if if as con- as conditions suggest, it's going to have a little bit more turn in that first test at Old Trafford. Uh, we'll get to that in the preview, but I really like what I've seen from Tom Bess.
0: Yeah, look, I hope he does well in this series, and I hope he gets himself on the plane for when we go and play in the winter, because I do think he's going to be a better spinner if he gets the opportunity to bowl with another quality spinner at the other end and, and kind of bowl in tandem. He did that a little bit on our winter tours. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see him given that opportunity, and I think it's... Um, yeah, it's good as well that England are getting some of the quite recent players actually into the camp to help from a coaching perspective. So Marcus Truscothic, Paul Collingwood are with the one day side at the moment. I believe actually Jeetan Patel, not an English player, obviously, but played a lot of county cricket. Friend obviously, yeah, friend of the show. Graham Thorpe um, as, as a batter. Um, but they're also, show. yeah, they're also getting the likes of um, no friend, not a friend of the show yet. Chris Reid is working with a wicketkeeper, <laughs> so I think it, it's great that they've, you know they've got that. And I think it would be really good um, for him to work with Jeeton potentially to you know really sort of hone that, hone that craft. Do we want to move on and talk a little bit about the Pakistan series coming up? Just I'm I'm super excited. You just you want one
3: thing because I've always been quite critical of you, Binksy, and how you talk about um, Chris Wokes. But I think that he's almost the uh, first man picked for me. The way that he bowled a lot in that series, mm. so and sorry, obviously so the, you're critical about what you, that you that you said he's so good in England that he's he needs to be playing. I've always been quite skeptical about having like the in, averages, in boy. Yeah, <laughs> no, he he he, um, he really turned up in the series, and I think that he deserves to be one of the first people picked. And I read an article this week saying he's worried about not being picked, and I think that. He should, he, he should definitely be
0: perfect. He had a great hair and beard combo as well. <laughs> it, that was, you know.
3: Brave
2: to go long and long. That's. It's apparently not done. You've got to go one long, one short, but he's pulled it off.
0: Yeah. But before we do leave the West
1: Indies, I will just say I think we should,
2: as, as a unit, give them massive credit. Absolutely.
1: And, and I'm sure And cricket around the world has done this already. But just for coming over and doing this, they definitely did not have to. They left four of their better players behind. Yeah, they, they, they deserve a lot of credit and I think they've gone away from this with their heads held high even though the performances kind of fell away in those second, third tests.
0: Yeah, look, I, I don't want to wax lyrical too much about it, but I think that, you know, the, the, the coinciding of the Black Lives Matter thing, I think, made a really big difference to the series and the way that it was played and the spirit that it was played in. Um, they've been thanked over and over again by the English media and players as well in the plaudits that they received after the test matches. When the rubber hits the road, though, this is about a reciprocal tour. This is about when they're, you know, in trouble going over and playing through test matches and filling the grounds that they want filled in the Caribbean. That's the only thing that's going to say thank you. You Mm -hmm. you can kind of give them the plaudits and whatnot. It now comes down to that cricketing community, I think looking after itself um, over the course of the next little while.
2: And that's going to be a great series, England in the West Indies again. That's going to be a, a lot closer than, than um, it was in England.
0: Mate, it's on my bucket list. I, how good would that be? You know, crate a carib under your chair. You know, what, half a crate in the first session, half in the second <laughs> session, and then, you know, offer some run punch afterwards. Right, Should we move on? Let's talk about um, Pakistan. So we'll be back after this little break um, and talk about the preview of the series, England in Pakistan, starting at Emirates Old Trafford on Wednesday. Seriously. soon welcome back to the pod we've talked england west indies we've got a p- series starting again at the emirates old trafford so teams are already camped there. media have gone in i think today game kicks off tomorrow wednesday i'm actually really pumped about this series i think pakistan coming over have always done well in england i think um i don't buy this mercurial bullshit now that they're a well drilled side under Nisbar spiral hack as the coach who i think as everybody knows took over that pakistan side after that ball t- uh, sorry match fixing scandal in 2010 and really gave a resurgence i think to pakistan cricket so i think they're going to be extremely well led they've got some legends in the camp the likes of mushtaq ahmed's been brought back in and um, to talk spin but also i think to bring the guys together as well as that kind of effervescent character eunice khan's been involved with the side so y- You've got wakar Unis involved with a crop of pace bowlers that I think could be pretty tasty over the next three or four years. So, um, and they've got the spin bases covered as well. And that's not even talking about the likes of Babra Zam, Azar Ali, and some some real batting talent as well. So, that's the preview of the series. <laughs> um, we'll see you next night. No. Um, what are your guys' thoughts leading into this series?
2: Oh, the fast bowling lineups is if we thought west indies england was tasty the the pakistan england fast bowling matchup is delicious uh shaheen Sharafridi was oh, excellent in just australia saying that word boy. Uh, it's, he's I, he's a good fast bowler <laughs> not only does he have a great name but he he had uh, let's have a look here stats from the warm-up game seven wickets at 14 an a- economy rate of two and a strike rate of under 40. so he you know in even in those intra-squad games he bowled really really well um I'm looking forward to seeing Nasim Shah again. We saw him in Brisbane. He looked a likely prospect. Young fella, only 17. Big, strong guy. Bowls fast and I think will do well. And then it's just a case of, of who joins him in that fast bowling trio. Do they pick three fast bowlers and Yassi Shah? Or do they pick two quicks and two seamers? I will just say on the counterpoint. Sorry, sorry, two seamers. Yeah. yeah 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 no i
0: think so as well but and it's uh, been dry in manchester yep, which that right. is news for anybody that knows anything about manchester it's normally <laughs> yep. grim up there and it's been dry and hot and apparently could yeah they're predicting up, right. them predicting yeah. it'll be like that all week i think as well aren't they so just on just
1: on a counterpoint about that pakistan seam attack we raved about them when they came to australia mm-hmm. you know when we did the pod just before that series and although at times they we did see a little glimpse of that didn't it didn't reflect in the in the scorecard and and they had a pretty rough series over there i really hope that we don't see that again you know because a lot of these guys are young that we talk about them as you know this huge potential but Mm -hmm. yeah you can't be potential forever
2: no you can't but they're going to get more help right so they're going to get a different cricket ball that will do more for them they're going to get a slightly different set of conditions the ball's going to swing for longer and and move about off the seam. So if they've got some talent and we think that they do, I think they're going to have to try and maximise it in those English conditions. They were pushing the proverbial uphill against a really strong batting lineup in Australia on wickets that suited our batters. Mm. The wickets are going to suit their fast bowlers a lot better, and it will be a real test of their metal. You're right as to whether they can perform in those conditions against a side that's now battle hardened after that West Indies series.
3: So when they were in Australia, we were seeing the speed guns, you know, up. Plus 140, but
0: yeah, but they turn them down, don't they? That's that the Australians for you. Or turned up. Well, they turn it up when the Australians are yeah, bowling. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so they're down uh, when the off yeah. are bowling.
3: So, do we think that we, you know, this is a step up here where they're going to have two, maybe three bowlers who are bowling 140 plus, and that, that's a new challenge for the for the English so far this summer. With that point about the potential, isn't one of them 16 or something? Alleg- oh, yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. No,
1: but, I I, agree, I I agree that you you can have potential for a little while. Yeah. I just mean you know we we don't want to be talking about them for 2 years like this you know we it, we want to see now that this young attack can actually win them test matches which it has done recently but I'd love to see I'd love to see them really challenge this English batting attack is, is more what I was saying rather mm. than a put down on the Pakistan bowling attack
3: and and the the thing we saw was that they got trapped into bowling short in Australia didn't they mm-hmm. they had they had some pitches that gave them a little bit of bounce The same thing happened a little bit with the West Indies here. They bowled a bit too short, if you looked at comparatively to the English Seamers. So hopefully we'll see that growth and we'll see them pitch it up a little bit Like Carl having them pitch the ball up. He'll he'll have them
2: bowling the right lengths.
0: Well, and and I think they've got that makeup of that attack. You know, they've got a little bit of height. You know, Nasim Shah has got a really nice action, really repeatable action. I think Pakistan have also got previous of bringing young fast bowlers to England that have done really well. You know, Waka, you know, burst onto the scene there. He played some county cricket with Surrey and I think Glamorgan as well. Uh, maybe we'll get a few corrections on that. You've got the likes of an Akeeb Javid came over and did really well. Obviously, he was bowling with a Waka and Wazim. So, you yeah. know, that that always helps when you've got the old um, the old pill after those guys. But mm. I'm excited to see this team. It's going to be a real test, I think, for England. They get, You know, they're going to be well drilled but to your point the cricket ball is going to help them i think the wickets are going to help them a little bit more with those lengths and let's face it it's bloody tough to go to australia and there is a there is a tendency to pitch the ball a little bit short in australia because you know it's great to see it flying through to the keeper at shoulder high because because you can do it when you're used to playing in pakistan or you know the arab emirates where it's you know real low and Mm. skiddy Um, I reckon these English wickets might just be that right blend for this attack.
2: Yeah, and it's playing into Yassir Shah's hands now that it's dry and might take turn day four, day five. That's really going to play into his hands. I'd love to see how he's going to go.
0: Well, especially if they play one of the left armors as well and there's a little bit of rough rough there.
2: Yep,
3: absolutely. I'm actually a bit uh, sceptical about that. I know it is dry, but it's still... Manchester dry. It's not like uh, Dubai or in Pakistan. So the, the the bowling attack just over the you know, recent years has focused so much on Yasser Shah when they're in Australia, who was ineffective. Mm. And that means that Pakistan's bowling was ineffective when they're in Australia. Is that going to be the same in England? I don't know.
0: Well, we t- I think we touched upon it. Or I mentioned it in the West Indies series stuff. I think this is about pressure. With the bat, I think you know we looked at those England bowling averages. Um, I think standing to be corrected, but I think Broad average ten or eleven. Wokes was sixteen. Um, there was Stokes an, was sixteen. Stokes was sixteen. I think Anderson was probably the highest of the seamers with thirty or something like that. And no West Indian scored a hundred. Mm. They didn't make those guys back up and bowl two sessions and really do that hard work, mm. or put a lot of pressure on Don Best to hold and end up and actually do that. So if this Pakistan batting lineup can put some pressure on those um, yeah, those England um, bowlers, then I you know I think that that does play into the hands of an attack that's got all of their bases covered. They've got pace. They've got a little bit of swing. They've got a left arm option. They've got a leggy. you know, I, I think that that's, you know, that's really what's going to make the difference for them.
2: And the guy who was the most dangerous to England in that West Indies series was the gentle left uh, right arm off breaks of Roston Chase. So if the karami Ahmed should be licking his lips, looking at that performance from Roston Chase and going, I've got a blueprint now. I can tie up Dom Sibley. He can't get me through the leg side. So if I've got a bowl long, I can bowl at him. I'll just call got, a
1: short and wide one to Rory Burns and he'll just cut it to someone.
2: He'll cut it to first slip. I mean, Pakistan have a well-rounded attack. I want to talk about the England bowlers, though. Who are they going to play in the first test? Do you think they're going to play an extra bowler and play Wokes at seven again? Or are they going to go back to the first test, second test, makeup of of six bats with Stokes what's, at What's five the latest oil on up?
0: Stokes? I think Stokes will be fit to bowl. He would bowled. be my yeah. Yep. So
3: he's bowled this week in the nets. Okay, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So if you want my two cents worth, I would be. Um, I'm, this is going to be controversial, but I am going broad. I am going Anderson. I am going Wokes. I am leaving out Archer and Wood. Um, to be perfectly honest, um, I've got my fourth seamer of Stokes, and I've got my spinner, um, Don Bess. That that's where I am going. I am going with the guys that have got that proven record. And I think that that, they are going to rotate, but I think we talked about it on the pod last week. England have been terrible in first tests of series. So for me, you pick your bankers. And I know archer has got a lot of potential, and we just talked about potential with his Pakistan attack. Mm -hmm. His stats aren't there in the games that he's just played. Wood's stats aren't there in the games that he's played. Um, Argument... And devil's advocate is the wicket might be a little bit quicker. So they might look at the deck and go, well, actually, hold on. We, we need some genuine pace. But for me, I'm going with the guys who've just averaged, you know, 10, 16, 16, and, and a guy that's got 600 wickets as my, as my first cabs off the rank. And that might just give that hunger to someone like Archer to say, do you know what? If I want to play in this Ashes series in 18 months time and be the first cab off the rank, I've got some work to do.
3: My only sort of uh, rebuttal to, to that is if we look at the first test in, in Brisbane, when um, that first session where they were 80 for none or 100 for none or whatever, and then Justin Langer gave them an almighty spray, the bowlers, about pitching it to full. And they came out and they started digging it in and they started getting wickets. Do, do England need someone like that in terms of an archer or a wood who can? In Australia? No, in, in England.
0: Yeah, what do they
1: do? Those bowlers are all potentially quite similar. What, what do they do if they need something slightly different, you know? Ben Stokes. Superman and, and, yeah and that's what I was thinking actually as well you know even just saying that Stokes kind of did that he in did that, that job in the, in
2: the second test and blew it wide open he yeah. he bowled short and and caused the batsman trouble I, because he was accurate not I, because he was super super fast
0: I don't think he gets enough credit for his bowling he is so skillful he swings the ball both ways when you want him to come in on and enforce and bowl bumpers for a bit he can do it mm. he can be intelligent and just drag his length back and hit you know a hard length as well yeah. um uh, yeah, look, I, I think he is that perfect guy if we use him in the right way, which is that he's you know he's coming on for impact. Um, but a lot, I think, in this series, and we've talked about him a little bit, depends on Don Bess because his role is going to be different. He didn't bowl a lot of overs in that series because he didn't need to. Mm. Um, I think, you know, stereotypically, Pakistani players, good players of spin. Um, and aggressive players of spin. Aggressive sp- players of spin. You know, they sweep well, they use their feet well. Um, So, look, I really think that he's going to have a really, really important role to play um, to hold, you know, hold an end and protect those seamers.
3: Do you think that there is going to be that little itch in the back of Joe Root's mind saying, let's not overuse Ben Stokes or any of the other bowlers for that matter? Mm -hmm. How do you think he'll manage that?
0: yeah look it's tough because i don't think you get the ball out of stokes hand if he wants to be bowling um is that kind of character uh, look i think the thing is it's a three test series again they come thick and fast to emirates old trafford and then back to the adias bowl my gut feeling says that we want to get out of the blocks a bit quicker I, yeah. I think that pakistan's preparation for this um has probably been i'm not going to say better than the west indies but Yes, they had some issues with, I think, 10 of their players testing positive for um, Corona. However, most of them were in the one-day squad. Mm. So the 20-odd players that were the, t- you know, the test specialists have actually had a pretty decent period of time at Worcester and um, in the East Midlands as well to kind of get acclimatised. They had a really strong intra-squad game. Um, where they went hammer and tongs at each other. So I think they're coming in, you know, I think they're coming in really, really well. So England have got to get out of the blocks, I think. Um, And that's why, you know, they can't worry about injuring someone. If you're going to worry about injuring someone, then I I think your roles change. And and I don't think that's helpful for the Mm. way that they're going to play cricket. They've got six really good seamers. They can rotate them around. Stokes can play as a batter in the third test again Mm. when they're 2 nil up. Then, you know... Yeah, solved. I
2: think we're definitely going to see Archer. We're definitely going to see, well, we might see Sam Curran if, if the conditions suit him. We're probably going to see Wood if, if one of those front-line guys get injured. If I'm Pakistan and I'm prepping for the first test, who do I least who do I least want to face? Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson, and I would say in those conditions, Chris Wokes. I would say that they are least likely to want to face those three guys, and I think they're the guys that England should play in the first test. They might play Jofra Archer and, and I can completely understand their rationale for doing so. But I would play Wokes knowing that Jofra Archer will play in this series at some point. He'll play in the second or third test almost 100% for sure, um, particularly if they go back to the AGS bowl and it is bouncy and fast and he can, and you know, maybe do some damage. But if I'm Pakistan, they're the guys I'd least want to face.
1: It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because the start of this whole summer, I was – Actually, quite excited to watch Mark Wood. I thought this might be a breakout kind of test series for him, and and now he's kind of a forgotten man. He played in that first test, didn't you know? Didn't set the world on fire, and now he's sort of you know fourth or fifth, maybe even sixth in that picking. Oh, he's order. behind I mean, Karen, I would have thought. They need yeah.
3: someone in the sand singing there, don't they? Well, exactly. He
0: he's got a great role there. To, to an extent, I'm a little bit surprised that they've not sent one of Archer or um, sorry, yeah, one of Archer or Wood back to the one day squad because mm. that, that's the. Probably the one thing they're missing in that one-day setup at the moment is, you know, genuine pace. They've got Willie, who's obviously had a pretty decent game five for against Ireland, but you know, keeper stood up to him on occasions. You know, he's he's not the most Mm rapide. So yeah, I'm surprised they've not they've not done that.
3: So um, just exploring your uh, controversial test lineup again. So that means you have played six batsmen. So you're bringing Sibley back in and playing just Crawley back in. uh, sorry, Crawley back in Mm -hmm. and.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm probably going to name 12 players here, but I'm obviously going to go with Burns and Sibley. Um, I'm bringing Crawley in um, back at three, Root bats at four, Stokes at five, Pope at six, Butler at seven, Bess at eight, and then I've got my three. Well, Wokes probably hit a best, he? Oh, yes, yeah, so anyway, Wokes probably had a best, but yeah, eight nine, eight, eight, nine, ten, Jack, there's my bowlers. I,
3: I actually think that's, that's their strongest side, of, you know, without Archer, he's probably there somewhere for me, but you know, you can't argue with that team. Mm. By the it,
0: time this pod's out there, this is going to be so wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, we mentioned it before, but, I mean, you talked about the, the Pakistan batting. And, and, I mean, yeah, that for me, that's the key to the series, isn't it? I mean, with how can that batting line up? And, you know, we haven't even really mentioned him yet, but he's just about the best test batsman in the world at the moment, Barbara Azam, isn't he? You know, he's right up there in that top echelon and probably doesn't get enough credit for, you know, being up in the – you know, it's the Smith-Williamson route has been in that conversation.
0: And Barbara Azam is in Virat, cold I guess
1: we better say Virat.
2: Verat, yeah. we can't not, <laughs> we say, can't Virat. not say Virat. say yeah. H-
0: who's got to stand up and help, Babar, though, through this series?
3: So, uh, I mean, we have talked. We were talking about Azali before this. He scored 100, didn't he, in the warm-ups? Yeah, he did, and 120,
2: and uh, not out as well.
3: Yeah, I think Azali is, is really underrated as a, as a batsman. Uh, he batted... I thought he batted quite well in Australia, definitely in that first test. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be looking for, for him to really step up and help Baba Azam. And we have to actually also acknowledge the fact that Baba Azam didn't play well in the spotlight in Australia. Mm. No, he didn't. He, he has been made into that premier batsman for Pakistan. And I haven't actually seen him perform to what I know he can or I've seen mm. him do previously.
2: Yeah, I mean, his his. White ball record is is uh, is not unparalleled, but he's he's right up with there at the white ball. He's right up there with the with the red ball as well. It'll be interesting to see which openers they choose. So three of their openers scored runs in the warm up game. So Shan Masood and al Muhacker, the incumbents, having played in the Australia Test series, uh, but Fakhar Zaman scored ninety nine in the warm up game. Um, un- <laughs> unlucky for, to easy be easy for you to say. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, but yeah, fuck as a man, 99 in the warm-up game and and should Stop be banging down the
0: d- a man. You just want to keep saying <laughs> well, it. Well, he's and
2: banging down the door, right? He averaged 46, <laughs> right? He he scored more runs than any of the other I don't think openers. I just realized what he's seen. Oh no, he's not. <laughs> anyway, carry on. What did I say? <laughs> he's banging down Pounding the door. No, so he's banging down the door. Absolutely he is. I they've got a decision to make there because because their openers are going to have to face the best bowling attack that England's just about ever had.
0: Yeah. He's, he, look, he's definitely. If he's not banging down the door, he's got his key in the lock. That's for sure. <laughs> <All right. laughs> You're gonna cut that on.
3: <laughs> no, we'll keep that.
0: <laughs> yep. So we always do this when we've got a series coming up and go around the table for some predictions. I'm gonna come to you first, Liffy, What do you reckon? Three test series, two at Old Trafford and one at a GS bowl. So uh, I'll just quickly throw it out there that
1: we uh, I did choose 2-1 to england that uh you think you and me binksy got that correct in the in the england west indies series yeah. so we'll yeah yeah uh, uh, thanks we'll,
0: we'll get some credit there obviously eminent journalist georgia bargain horribly wrong at one inch uh, 1-1. i think yes. yeah
1: um but he did get very close with the weather but i mean i think the way i'm looking at this we're just taking weather out of the equation and, yeah. and the way test cricket is played now uh is result cricket i went into this thinking england sort of have the massive advantage here, and I still think they do, and that they've had a series and they've had some hard cricket. And for that, on that reasoning, I was kind of leaning towards 3-0. But then I looked at that Pakistan side and that squad is, is, is really good. As we've touched on, there's a lot of players there that I think can challenge England if they're at their best. So yeah, I'm going to stick with 2-1 again to England. Um, I, th- I think that they'll get across the line and probably because they've played that series just before against the West Indies and they're at home, Those two things in their advantage give them the edge for me.
2: Yeah, England will be looking for consistency. That will be the byword for the series. I I think, again, that they're going to be too strong for Pakistan as they were for the West Indies, but I'm with you. I think it's going to be 2-1. I think Pakistan are good enough to take a test match away from England in this
3: series. Yeah, for me, um, hoping there's no rain, I hope we get a full series in. Uh, There's three sort of things I'm looking at. So with the bowlers, I just think if Yasser Shah is not effective, then Pakistan bowling is not effective. Mm. With the batting, Pakistan is coming through with a few question marks for me. There are good players there who have not shown form in a long time. And with the English batsmen, they've just come off a test series against bowlers who are very similar in terms of bowling, just short of a length. Shannon Gabriel at pace. So I, I think that they are well-equipped or well-informed uh, to that. They have already faced that for the last three to four weeks. Mm. So I, I see a 3-0 sort of drubbing here to England. see?
0: Yeah, so for me, my slight hesitation is I look at Sibley and I look at Burns and strike rate-wise they chew up a lot of balls. And I think if one of them gets in and helps to put that platform together, then we should be putting some decent scores on the board. We should be getting 350 um, as a minimum. My concern is that they both get out and it puts us in a real hole. And you look at the strike rates, those guys that come in after, they all like to score at you know, 60, 65 runs per 100 balls. Very difficult to do that when you're 15 for two. So I, I think that Pakistan have got an opportunity with that bowling attack. I'm going to shade it to England 2-1, um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that it reversed the other way and, and Pakistan to actually nip it. I think it's going to be a lot closer than, than we think. We've got a couple of question marks um, in that side. We've got some young guys. Crawley, I think, is going to be a really good player. But, you know, if he comes back in, he's, he's really got to take that opportunity. Burns, for me, he's got a couple of hundreds, but again, didn't didn't get a hundred in that series um, against West Indies. G- got a couple of scores where we should have, and I know you've joked about it, but just pl- a couple of really soft shots. Mm-hmm. If you're going to chew up, you know, th- a strike rate of 33 per hundred balls, you've got to go on and get 150. Yeah, You've got to Re- get a big hundred. Really have to go on and get 150. So yeah, but 2-1 England, for me, I think will be too strong with the six seamers that we've got in the bank um, to do the job and maybe Leach to come in and... Uh, yeah, give a little bit of an advert for always cleaning your glasses in that third test match well that wraps up this episode number 32 of the top order podcast obviously with pakistan in the uk at the moment very topical to redirect you to the back catalog have a listen to our episode with ceo of pakistan cricket wasim khan whilst recorded before all this covid stuff really played out it did talk a lot about the mood in the Pakistan camp, how they were going to approach this series and how competitive it was going to be as well as going through his own career as a county cricketer in England, but ultimately with his Pakistani background. Really, really fascinating listen. That's it for this week though on the pod. So we'll see you next week.